Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Top Stories. I'm not John Oliver. We're heading back to April 2015 now. We've just days to go before the general election. That That's a British thing. Do other countries call their elections general? Email us. Things were hotting up as the great British public took their usual complete lack of interest in all things democratic and voted for some twats. Top story this week, UK election news. Britain's prepared to go to the polls or not. Many, many will not go. Many won't go. (laughs) Many are preparing not to do it. Andy, as you know far better than I, uh, the UK general election takes place in just two weeks. Uh, There's been almost no coverage of it here, and that's understandable because the US media is too invested in their own election, which is taking place just around the corner, (laughs) albeit that that corner is over 18 months away. But I can only imagine the excited mood over there, Andy. In fact, let me imagine it now. Is it a mixture of forced anticipation combined with resentment and pessimism? Because that's the inspirational atmosphere that I remember. It's uh, pretty much that. I'd say this is simultaneously the most and least eagerly awaited election in living memory, that there is a kind of mixture of total uncertainty as to what is going to happen and complete and utter resignation over whatever the outcome finally is. So, um, <laughs> well, that's the, that's the interesting thing, because this election may genuinely go down to the wire. I believe the current polling has both the Conservatives and the Labour Party at 34%, with, uh, with any advantage well within the margin of error. It could be a photo finish, Andy. And if so, it would really be the John Oliver and Kim Kardashian version <laughs> of a photo finish. Two people neck and neck who in an ideal world would not be the next leader of a country. (laughs) Uh, Although the closeness of this election is in many ways what makes it so interesting, and it also could be what makes it problematic, because under the UK system, the election could end up with a hung parliament, which I believe is called that because MPs would just hang around all day getting absolutely (laughs) nothing done. Is that a fair reflection, Andy, of what the system would turn into. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically, basically it. Um, um, politics has found itself in the public eye, and whenever that happens, the public basically just attempts to gouge its own eyeball out with any available <laughs> implement. It's by just sticking brooch pins into its eye, Oedipus style, just anything to stop them having to look politics directly in the face. What we've got here is a massively unpopular government versus an equally unpopular opposition, the completely resistible force against the easily movable object. It is a <laughs> thrilling clash, John. Thrilling. As you say, the polls, the polls have scarcely moved at all 
for the whole campaign, despite the party throwing all their hard-earned and not particularly hard-earned cash at the problem. And when I say cash, this is not cash in the way that cash is thrown at an American election, John. I mean, I, I think the sums involved in British elections, I don't think any American candidate would even break wind for, frankly. It's incredible. In in Britain, all registered parties are restricted to their spending for the entire year before an election. They can spend up to £30,000. I can't even say this without (laughs) laughing. £30,000 for each seat they contest, which adds up to around £19.5 million if they fight every constituency. That, Andy, is adorable. (laughs) Political parties here... Spend that on their balloon budget. Just balloons. That in no way counts any confetti cannons. <laughs> that is extra and a lot extra. The, the last UK election in 2010 cost in total £84.6 million to administer. That's it. That's comp- in, in America, Andy, I'm pretty sure we spent that much staging half a WrestleMania. <laughs> Well, I was reading a fact about this. They reckon the um, the uh, current U- well, the current US election can we, can we call it current yet? The current US election yeah, campaign. Yeah. you can, and you can be referring to all elections because they <laughs> just don't stop now uh, for the rest of time. Um, and uh, it's uh, I do think the way that American campaigning is going by twenty twenty eight, all it will involve is one Democrat and one Republican standing six inches away from each other, screaming in each other's faces until one of them falls over and a winner is declared. Um, but uh, six billion, I think, they're expecting this one to cost, the 2016 uh, election. But, I mean, you might think that is a lot. Every year, America spends $7.9 billion on Halloween. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think that is simultaneously both extremely uplifting and completely <laughs> fundamentally terrifying. Uh, there's all, already a great deal of scaremongering over what a hung parliament would actually mean. Uh, the Conservative Party have argued that it's potentially a lot worse than getting nothing done. It's Scottish people getting a say in things. <laughs> and to the Conservative Party, Andy, giving Scottish people a repre- representational voice in democracy is like giving a horse an iPad. <laughs> it just makes no sense. They have no idea what to do with it, and they'll probably break the thing completely so no one else can use it. <laughs> well, it's the first rule of electoral politics, John. When the going gets tough, the tough get bullshitting. And a survey of Britain's leading scaremongering firms revealed that uh, I think 72% of all scares in the average five-year political cycle are mongered within three weeks of a general election. And most of them, uh, in the past week, have involved the apocalyptic scenario of some form of possible Labour-Scottish National Party deal after the election, warnings of disasters, chaos, even coups, John. It's been a while since we had a proper coup in this country, and that ended up with a monarch with his head on a spike. So um, uh, it's reached the point where our politicians are no longer bothering to encourage people to vote for what they want but trying to frighten them into voting against what they most don't want. And short of David Cameron dressing up in a white sheet and trying to haunt people through their bedroom windows with spooky economic projections, it's hard to see how much more childish it can get if you're a democracy fan. The Tories are warning that we're all doomed if Labour and the SNP team up. Labour's warning that we're all doomed if we talk about how we might be all doomed, while the SNP continues to spread its terrifying apocalyptic scare stories of investment in public services, building long overdue houses, trying to keep pensioners warm enough not to die, and above all, the truly world-ending scenario of letting women have a go at frontline politics. It's absolutely terrifying, John. People can barely sleep in this country at the moment. There are a few little details of the UK election I thought 
might be worth mentioning. One of my favourite things each election is where people get a chance to vote. Because polling stations uh, in Britain can be basically anywhere. Electoral rules state that they should be just accessible, identifiable, and provide the all-important privacy for voters. Uh, they should also be the right size to meet the needs of the local electorate and allow a queue of people to flow through. And that's pretty broad, and that's a good thing, because it leads to votes being cast in some wonderful demonstrations of electoral eccentricity. <laughs> in, in the village of Little Bardfield, votes will be cast at the Cricket Club Pavilion, Yay! Andy. And that is a pretty English sequence of words. <laughs> Voting in a cricket pavilion in a village called Little Bardfield. Could not get any more English without having Charles Dickens turn up and throw an orphan at you. <laughs> but... but but it doesn't stop there. Other polling stations will be set up at the East Hull Boxing Club and, and at the Swerve Table Tennis Centre in Middlesbrough. Uh, you can also vote in pubs, uh, which means you can vote and get a simultaneous pint at the Dolphin in Gillingham, the Red Lion in Belchamp Otten, and at the Elephant Castle in Rochdale, among many, many others. And if they set up a polling station inside your local pub and you still don't vote, at that point, I think every Everyone needs to accept voting is just not for you. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not your thing. I've been to Gillingham, John. I used to go and watch football there. And frankly, you are going to need a stiff drink before voting there because that is a town that democracy and progress has forgotten. <laughs> The only thing that could make that process better is if the barman himself takes your vote along with your order. Thanks, Tony. Can I get two pints of beer, a vote for Theresa May, and a packet of pork scratchings, please? Actually, forget the vote for Theresa. I'll just get a third pint instead. <laughs> but, but, but when it comes to luxury voting, Andy, if you really want to make a day of your democratic duty, you have got to head down to the polling station at the Royal Chase Hotel in Shaftesbury. Why? I'll tell you why, Andy. It has a spa and an indoor swimming pool. That's why. Vote with hope in your heart and a pair of cucumbers over your eyes. That's what the ancient Greeks had in mind. Although, for sheer convenience, you can't go wrong with, and this is true, the Ace Laundrette on Girdleston Road in Oxford. They will once again be a registered polling station, Andy. Vote till it hurts while we clean your shirts is not the slogan there, but frankly, it f***ing should be. But finally, for the... Intimate personal experience, a boutique voting station, if you will. Look no further than the, the, than the home of Peter and Christine Hodgkinson in Rochdale, who for the last four decades have turned their cottage dining room into an election booth. Peter, Peter Hodgkinson said, Because of the area that we live in, a lot of people come and we have a natter because we, we do not see them one year to the next, so it's like a social gathering. So there you go. Just pop round Peter and Christine's and vote and they'll natter at you. <laughs> Amongst the uh, Tory scare stories about the Miliband-Sturgeon conjunction, which ironically was the name of a medical condition that uh, interwar's Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin suffered from in the 1930s, he could barely sit down at times, uh, was uh, that David Cameron, the uh, professional Prime Minister um, and no-time general election winner, described it as a match made in hell. Now, I'm starting to think, John, that hell might be slightly losing its edge if this is the best it can produce a slightly fractious potential negotiation between two political parties on the same side of the political spectrum. Beating that was an article by London Mayor Boris Johnson in The Telegraph, uh, in which he said, talking about the prospect of uh, allowing the SNP power in Westminster, he said, you wouldn't get King Herod to run a baby farm, would you? <laughs> and, and uh, well, no, you wouldn't. 
Boris, because, well, for a start, Herod has been out of the baby game for quite a long time. He probably wouldn't be any good at it anymore. Modern farming techniques have moved on from 2,000-odd years ago when you just had to do a humane cull every now and again. But besides, John, if you are going to run a baby farm, which generally pretty much frowned on by most legal systems around the world, the very last thing you want is a high-profile celebrity appointment that is going to get you a lot of press coverage. You want to keep it out of the spotlights. Yeah, it might be a heartwarming story of how former celebrity biblical firstborn slayer and king Herod has found redemption growing babies on a farm. But just keep f***ing stum about the f***ing baby farm. It is, at best, unlikely to get an EU subsidy. And uh, he continued to say, Can someone tell me why, in the name of all that is holy, that there are some apparently rational people who are contemplating the elevation of the Scottish National Party to a position of effective dominance in the government of the United Kingdom, an entity that they are sworn to destroy. Well, I can tell you why that is, Boris. It's because those apparently rational people you have such disdain for are the voting public of Scotland. And the reason that they want to destroy the UK is because people like you keep telling them they cannot be trusted with a voting pencil. So... It's, it's a fascinating election. The SNP said to get a lot of seats, around 8% of the seats in Parliament, from about 4% of the national vote, whilst the uh, less-than-charming UK Independence Party and, uh, the, um, uh, and the Green Party, between them could get about 18% of the vote and less than 1% of the seats. And what I guess all this screams is that our electoral system simply does not work. Thanks, Buglers. More top stories tomorrow and I don't know unless this is Friday um, then just, who cares just 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 thanks hi it's producer Chris from the bugle here did you know that I have a new series of my podcast Richie Firth travel hacker out now it's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way in this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.